Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. I'm on a switch. Oh my god, that was really good. That was really, really good. How do I turn this thing on? That's me. I'm the switch. I'm the, yeah, you are the switch. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm working with technology here that's not working with me. Oh, so that's good. That's good. Uh, the technologic. Technologic. I'll get the, I'm going to get the manual during our break. <laughs> no, you didn't. I'm going to get the manual. Get the manual. For my new keyboard. Oh my God. For my iPad to turn it into a laptop. <laughs> A lip tip. A lip tip. A lip tip. How is everyone? Oh, hey. Hi. Hello. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast here on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the line, broadcasting live from the line hotel. That is quite the tongue twister today. Words. I am your host, Professor Noir, with... Mix Monday. Mix Monday. Oh, hey. Cha-cha-cha. Oh my gosh! Ooh, bitch, I, we are both in all. We're black in all, I mean, today. I'm always in all black. I'm dressed like a Bob Fosse dancer because I took my dress off. You really it's too are, hot. and I'm very here for it. So I'm right now wearing because I came in wearing a leather dress. It's actually a jacket, but I thought it was a dress and I bought it, so I wear it as a dress. I was like, "Ooh, come on with a jacket over a jacket." I know a coat over a coat. Yes. And then I got here, and it's really hot because they really like heat at the Line Hotel. They and do. Which they're I'm not, not mad at. They're not worried about their electric bill. They clearly, you know, haven't got that worked out. But they're just trying to get us naked. They're just trying to get us naked, and it's hot, and it feels like a Bikram yoga class up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hot. Like I might Stretch. take, I might take off this bodysuit. Making me want to take. Something I know. Off. Like Shit. so, I'm wearing. I took off the dress. I'm wearing under it a little bodysuit from American Apparel, over some tights, over under some thigh high boots. And I'm still hot. <laughs> Dude, American Apparel is, like, perfect for your body type. Like, they just make clothes for you. Even though I wear an X-large in American Apparel. Shut up. Because they make clothes for small babies at this point. That's wild. For adults that are small, smaller than babies. It's very weird. Little baby people. Well, that's why they don't have brick-and-mortar stores. That's real. That and for many other reasons of charning. <laughs> Calling you out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Welcome everyone. How was your week, Monday? Welcome. Uh the week's been good. Very eventful. Lots of things happening. Trying Ooh. to juggle all of the things and figure out where everything's gonna land for juggling, the next couple months. Juggling the balls. <laughs> Yes, all them balls in the air. Juggling the testicles of life. Yes, the testicles of life, indeed. And trying to keep my own testicles intact in the process. I know. Stay ballsy, stay brave. Stay ballsy, stay brave. I think that's going to be our new tagline. Okay. At the end of the show, stay ballsy, stay brave. (laughs) Okay. I think that's great. You heard it here. You heard it here. here. (laughs) Hashtag stay ballsy, stay brave. Yes. Well, that's good. Uh, Well, there's some really great things happening in fashion. It's Couture Week. True. Um, it's the tail end of Couture Week. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty fucking fabulous. Um, I always love the Couture shows because, as everyone knows, as listening to this show, I always talk about the Couture and the Couture. And um, Valentino, again, did an amazing collection always. that I really loved. It was really beautiful. And there was something about it that was very femme fatale, yes. which is a common image and subject matter that every designer. Co- does a collection of, mm-hmm. but they always do it in this very like 1940s costumey mm-hmm. way where like at one point the model's always wearing like 
a fedora and like a wide coat right. and like you know and like that's like gorgeous and everything yeah and I love the look but this was definitely couture with the femme fatale and I really loved the beautiful work that was done the silhouettes reminded me of um Charles James from mm. the 50s mm-hmm. that like kind of like like open flower petal at the bottom mermaid silhouette you know very structured yeah which um, I love very beautiful extremely beautiful and also just it wasn't a lot of ruffles and feathers and prints um, like he's done before Mm -hmm. in the past collections but this was just I mean it was stunning the only thing I had an issue with a lot of models because they had like a very minimalistic lighting scheme and so it was like pretty dark mm-hmm. and then like light went down the runway and the models kept walking like in the shadow part. I'm Find like, your light, girl. I'm like, girl, you have enough room. You guys are as big as a pencil. Right. Please walk into <laughs> if the light. You step into the shadows, you disappear. You disappear, Carol Ann. Step into the light. <laughs> and I they, and this is why I don't get invited to couture shows because I'd be like, will you get into the damn light, please? Just I would just Find nudge your light. I would just nudge him like an old woman with a cane. <laughs> like, girl, girl. Scoot over. Scoot over. Scoot over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it was leather weekend last weekend. Oh yes, I know. Um that was every crazy. weekend is leather weekend for me. But every week is cool. leather weekend, but it was uh MAL <laughs> in DC, which is a big uh I would say in the past it's been very gay specific leather weekend, but this year and some of the years past and this year specifically it's been very queer. Love it. And POC representative. Love it. And sapphically representative. Good. Um, which I was like very, very impressed by. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. However, someone wrote an article in, I think, the Washington Examiner or something, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, um, about how this weekend was the destruction of gay um, progress, um, progress and LGBTQ progress. And, you know, like, I read, I read the article, and I tried to give it the sense of just, like, the open mind of just, like, oh, you know, this writer, you know, just, like, has different experiences and, you know, like, different life and everything. But then I thought to myself, no, this writer is pretty much closed-minded as much as any other person who's writing about an opposite lifestyle from theirs. Right. Like, not everyone defines progressive as inclusive. Or, yes, and also not everyone provi- um, defines progressive as becoming part of the establishment and living under those rules. Mm -hmm. And this writer definitely kind of really iterated that about how they, them and their partner live in the heteronormative establishment that Mm. gay marriage has afforded us and things like that. And so, which is not bad by no means. Again, we are people who are, we're vast. We should all, if we're going to talk about representing and being inclusive and being respectful, we should respect all of our lifestyles. Yeah. You know, if they're not out there to harm people, we should respect all of our lifestyles. Absolutely. Um, But however, I feel like this writer definitely did not take that route. And I was a little bit disappointed personally. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed. I I really feel like this is a person that maybe should go out and probably experience MAL from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't wrong about a lot of the activities, but necessarily generalizing the motives, I think, is a very hard thing to do. Yeah. So, sad face. (laughs) For them, not me. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, just cleaning out the closet. Yes. Cleaning out the closet, feeling good. 
Totally. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the springtime, how I'm going to get this record recorded, where I'm going to get it recorded. I mean, meanwhile, I'm just trying to figure out who's going to make my next dress, frankly, because <laughs> I have some fabrics on order. And Evan, you've been traveling, and I'm going to need you to come Ooh, home. called out. Well, also definitely been, you know, thinking about the looks that we're going to be serving for our photo shoot. Pussy and I are going to be doing a photo, shoot, a photo for shoot for brand new shots for the website and everything on for how we're representing this show. For the show. I'm just repeating what you're saying. Yes, do it. I love having an echo, a sexy echo. For the website. For the, for the show. show. <laughs> what looks shall we serve? What looks shall we serve? I'm just thinking shoulder pads. Always, ever. Like tons of shoulder To shul- the gods. Like, like literally. I just want them to cover our ears. Yes. You know, just shoulder pads as earmuffs. I'm thinking shoulder pads and very large sleeves. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have very small sleeves with shoulder pads, that's for sure. <laughs> that just doesn't work with the physics. I want that height to go all the way to the wrist. Yeah, like, like poofy. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I could. These could be flotation devices. I want to. I I want to stand outside in the wind and worry about being taken away. <laughs> you know, yes, like I might be like a sail. I might. I, I might catch happen. that wind. I might happen. It might happen. That literally happened to me in New York one time. Did you really fly away? I had away? to hold on to a fucking <laughs> signpost. I got caught by a gust of wind, and I was like. When keeping the glamour gets too real. Oh my God. When glamour becomes a hazard. When glamour becomes a hazard. hazard. You gotta notify the Federal Aviation Administration. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you said the entire name, too. That's not very DC of you, Alexia. (laughs) Gotta notify you of my fashion. Which which reminds me of two things. One, there was a show, Las Vegas. Hello, people. Hi, people looking at us from the Glass Enclosed Nerve Center. We're just Um, fish in a bowl. We're just fish in a bowl. This reminds me of two things, actually. So, one, there's a show, Las Vegas, that used to be on NBC, and it went on for like a couple seasons. About like night, uh, like the Las Vegas like casino hotel, and you know a bunch of white people doing crazy shit. <laughs> um, but in one of the episodes, like this woman who's apparently going to come and like take over the hotel from like the patriarch, mm-hmm. she like is wearing this like bat wing sleeve, gorgeous yes. like shocking pink flowy outfit, standing on a roof arguing with him, and all of a sudden a gust of wind comes up and blows her off the roof and kills her. <laughs> And it's not funny, but it's so. But ever I've seen every time I, I've only seen that episode once, and ever since it, it's stuck in my brain of just being like, "Is it too right?" Alexis cracking her ass up, being like, "Is it too windy for this outfit?" Right? You know, because I love, I love a flowy fabric in the wind. I will spe- this kill me? Will this kill me? Or I, someone else? I will specifically wear chiffons when it's windy. And someone's like, "Why would you do that?" It's so windy. I was like, "So you can see the fabric Duh. for the flowage." For the flowage. I mean, I'm not going to wear it when it's sweaty and wet outside. You can't Ew. go anywhere. And chiffon in the sweaty weather. Ugh, Ew. This is gross. This is gross. I mean, fashion definitely can be a safety hazard. I definitely have. Because, you know, I got my spike gauges on my ears and I've yes. definitely spiked people in the face. Oh, my God. I'm a close hugger, you know? I don't, yeah. do, I don't do the long distance two pats on the shoulder blade kind of <laughs> hug. Like, I go in for it. I'm a face smushing hugger. My roommate, Anna, for one of her, like, looks she was wearing for, like, gay bash, this is long yes, spike I necklace. Remember remember? Yes, I remember that. I didn't even realize it was on her because her wig was covering it. I went to hug her. I was like, you just stabbed this punctured me in, in the, the jugular. Neck. Like, yes. seriously. <laughs> I have to pay the other half of rent, Anna. What are you going to do? No, also, like, it also reminds me of, um, God rest her soul, Anna Pavlova, the ballet, famous prima ballerina from, like, the turn of the century, who literally could turn on a dime, that's where it comes from, of her doing pirouettes Mm -hmm. on an actual dime, um, and she died, sadly enough, 
um, in the most glamorous but most fucked up fashion way. Because her thing was like she loved long, flowy silk chiffon scarves, like oh the ones God, that would oh train God. on the ground and everything like that, which is fabulous, right? Until and it so, kills you. and she would just like flip it back and like whip it back and just like be dramatic and like I'm totally down with that right until you get in the car and then you whip it back while you're in the car oh, and no. then the car starts and then it catches on the wheel oh girl and then it strangles you to death oh god yeah yeah Anna Pavlova dangerous fashion I know well she's been I mean she's been immortalized in an amazing dessert so <laughs> <laughs> so anytime you have one she's delicious she's delicious okay this is officially fucked up <laughs> It just got dark at the beauty archeo. I thought I got it dark with spiking people in the face and the neck, but that's, no, that's worse. No, you know, leave it to you to always take it to the next level. I will this try. Is why, I like why. to. I like to try to take it to the next level. Always. Well, let's let's take it to the next level after this break, and yes. we're gonna start our journey, friends, class into the Roaring Twenties. Roaring <laughs> The track you're listening to during the break is by artist Kido, that's K-I-E-D-O. For more information, visit fullserviceradio.org. making me pop it in the chair i'm like you know, you know what's really interesting how you're talking about popping and like it reminds obviously twerking and twerking is actually something they're like the, the, some some scholars would say yes educate the children on twerk immediately because <laughs> you have your pencils out kids get your number two pencils out um but some uh, some scholars would argue that the origins of twerking started in the 20s with um, La, Vue, uh, La Revue Negre, which is the famous um, Parisian show that was an all-black cast that starred Josephine Baker yes. um, at one point and made her famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Josephine Baker was one of the people that really like made twerking an actual thing. Right. Uh, yes. Which I find really interesting. And it's actually, if you ever look at archival videos of Josephine Baker, which, by the way, again, I always talk about YouTube. Um and oh welcome back to the BDRQ. Yeah, we're just talking. We're back. We're back. We're just talking. This is the BDRQ if you're just joining us. It's your, a kiki. Your fashion history comedy podcast. It is always a kiki here. Always, always. I am your host, Professor Noir, with Mix Monday. With Mix Monday. We're broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel here on Full Service Radio. And to go back to what I was just saying, um, I'm a huge proponent of YouTube and not just for looking up funny, stupid videos. And like next YouTube star, but actually looking up historical archival stuff. Yes. Tons of organizations put that put 
those things out there for us to consume. And it's beautiful, beautiful footage. I encourage everyone to look at just to see what life was like back in the day. Totally. Um, But there's some really great footage of Josephine Baker. Yeah. um, The original Beyonce. And she was the original fucking Beyonce. Absolutely. Um, But there's, uh, and Beyonce, uh, you know, accredits her all the time. But Mm -hmm. um, some amazing archival footage of her dancing in some of her earlier shows in the 20s. And she literally is doing twerking. Like, yeah. You know, popping the booty from the ankles and the knees, like the entire work. So it's really interesting to watch. Um, And going into that, we are now in the Roaring Twenties. Yes, we are. We are. And And today, we are going to talk about the bobbed haircut, which I would like to entitle Girls Who Look Like Boys. (laughs) Yes, girls who like boys, who like boys, who like girls, who like boys. Alexi's like, what is that song? We're old. (laughs) It was the blur. It was the blur. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm mentioning the blur, we're old. I'm just educated. I'm just on my music history. Educated. Okay. And I'm still looking like a Bob Fosse dancer (laughs) sitting in this chair. I just realized, literally sitting in this hotel, in this hotel, in nothing but tights and the light and the leotard. I'm so here for it. (laughs) I'm so here for it. But to start off, the bobbed haircut is what we now know as a short hairstyle that was nipped at the neck. Um, or sometimes cut even higher, just right at the cheekbone. Mm-hmm. Um, often seen on pretty much any, uh, you know, a lot of pictures of women from the 1920s right. in terms of a huge, and it's a huge fashion trend. Mm-hmm. Mundy, you have some information about the roots of the bobbed haircut and like the whole idea of who was wearing this. Well, you know, right before like we got into the 20s, there was that guy, Charles Dana Gibson, who drew all those drawing of the Gibson girls, you know, which was supposed to be the definition of femininity. And the Gibson... Well, yeah. Oh, sorry. The Gibson girl was... on. Also, just so people know, the Gibson girl is considered internationally the first it girl. Right. Um, of, of the first modern it girl because mm-hmm. she was literally famous just for her image. Yes. And she was also... It was also a singular person. The Gibson girl was modeled after a singular person. Mm-hmm. He went on a, on a long period of trying to find the right model but he did find that the right model in this one person but keep going i do apologize for interrupting no it's fine yeah (laughs) no you're right uh yeah and just like drawings of her with her flowing locks and her high necked long sleeved dresses Mm -hmm. and you know just that definition of femininity well not just the dresses but she was wearing the fashionable items at the time which were the shirt waists yep that was another thing is that the Gibson girl mm-hmm. was the definition of she was like the first modern definition of the independent young woman. Absolutely. Or and not even just fully independent, but like the young woman that is indulgent, like the teenage girl that is indulgent now. Like right. she's not necessarily listening to her parents. She's not necessarily being defined by old Victorian standards but rather indulging in all of the benefits and privileges of what it brought a beautiful young woman at the time. Yes, absolutely. I always see a Gibson girl with a parasol in my mind. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's ruffled. She's Mm -hmm. prim. She's, you know, she's plush. She's luxurious. She's the definition of virginal femininity as well. Truly. That's another thing. It's like, it's again, before it's this period before marriage You know, during the late stages of adolescence, that's who this girl really defined. And which is really interesting to think about, too, because 
This is also what we talked about. This is during the suffragette movement. Right. You know, I mean, this is the same time as places like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire happened. Right. And at the same time where young women, the same ages as what the Gibson girl is, are dying literally blowing up, being blown up out of a building, you also have this whole idea of what a girl should be. Right. So that she can become a woman. So some of these girls were literally, you know, dying to create the fashion that the other girls were wearing. Wearing. They right. literally were. They literally were. And it's interesting how, again, how pieces of fabric can connect so many different periods of history. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. You know? Um, stay ballsy, stay brave. Stay uh, ballsy, stay brave. <laughs> that was okay. a, that was our show, everyone. Thank you. No, <laughs> um, but to keep going further, but yeah. So from that, you know, very public. This is what femininity is. You know, these drawings were showing up everywhere. From that, there became this whole like unexpected kind of anti Gibson girl movement, which was the flapper. Yes, and the flapper was a progressive concept of everything that wasn't feminine. So they had short hair, they were taping down their breasts, Mm -hmm. they were smoking cigarettes, they were drinking alcohol, they were chewing gum. Gum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is like, again, and says, so why did the flapper come about? Why did the Gibson girl fall out? World War One. From 1914 to 1919, the entire world experienced a complete breakdown and a complete destruction of old world ideologies of empirical, of empirical powers being destroyed and being deconstructed Mm -hmm. as well as societal um, aspects being deconstructed and pulled apart. And so, you know, during the early 1900s, independent thought, um, establishing one's own identity through, you know, new sciences and new psychologies like Freud right. became very popular. So you had, a, you had a section of women already growing and developing with this new idea, way of thinking. Right. World War I really kind of catapulted everyone into this because this is the first time, too, people fought a war with, like, almost no rules or it had to make new rules mm-hmm. and with technologies that they didn't even know how to handle. Right. So that's number one. So you had men dying... On a regular and massive numbers, you had a whole generation of women being left alone, independent, having to fend for having themselves. Having to do what the men used to do. And had to do what the men used and to do. And then the men came back, okay, go back into the kitchen, we're back now. And it's like, no, no, no. we've been taking care of shit while you were off to war this whole time. She's like, you see this house? I shot all these motherfuckers so I can keep this damn right, house. Right, exactly. You go to the kitchen. Right. You know what I mean? And so with that, and so it's interesting you were talking about taping breasts. Because it is a period as well where the body shape changes for women. Right. The the waistline lowered, the hemline went higher. And then also just thin as well. Fully thin. Truly. Because, one, fitness and personal fitness started to come into fashion in the early 1900s. But the idea of a curvier woman was still more appreciated and more looked upon. Right. So then you have World War I happening, you have rationing, and people talk a lot about rationing in World War II. Rationing was happening in World War I even more so, because right. you really didn't know what the fuck was going on. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, so women becoming thinner and having less breasts because of rationing and because of diet became a little bit, became more in vogue with the idea of a being an independent woman. Mm-hmm. And so for those women who were starting to now become independent, who were seeking out independence, um, for those women who also didn't fit that mold, they would make themselves in that mold because that's what that image meant now. Right. 
um, if any of that made sense to anyone. Because I feel like I was talking in circles. No, totally. And just less fabric in general. And less fabric in general. So it's another thing of women being able to dress themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of having a maid dress you or your, your sister or your mother or someone, women being able to dress themselves. That's why we've talked about Coco Chanel and her roots, why she was so important. Marjane Lacroix setting that tone in 1905. Um, Luce, uh, Lucille, you know, Lady Lucille Duff Gordon doing, doing work like that and, you know, helping women experience their sexuality um, through clothes and through personal items. Absolutely. Um, but it was... In the 1910s and in the 1919s, that another big statement in terms of fashion really set the tone, which was the cutting of hair. Yeah, and that really, like, there's a, that whole story about, you know, the first, basically doing that was a complete defiance of everything that families and parents were expecting of their young women. And Yeah, and you, you know, know what was really interesting, too, is that the first real case... I found of a woman cutting her hair um, short was an actress named uh, Polinaire. Um, and she, if I'm not mistaken, was originally a Polish actress um, that then moved to, she uh, moved to Paris. And she actually cut her hair in 1919 mm-hmm. and wore like actually like really curly, tight, short hair under a hat. And people often said, oh, you look like a boy and blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, well, the work I have to do, especially during the war, this makes everything much easier. So yes. why do I need to like look like this for you when you making me do all this other shit here? Totally. Remember in Downton Abbey? Yeah. When she cuts her hair and they just like are like, okay, the- this means that you were officially off the rails. Yeah. Like you've like, lost, your, you've damn lost mind. your damn mind. Right. Like you don't want to have. What's up, Charlie? Charlie looking sexy he right really now. Is. He is doing it. He's doing so- it. You he is such it. a bit of you as well. Like, I feel like you would love that ginger tree. I do. I do. I do love. I mean, I know that ginger tree. So she knows I love him. I get it. <laughs> but, um, I get it. So, girl, we on, we on air. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. So we're not just having drinks at a bar, you guys. Um, I mean, we might be. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when she cut her hair too. So it's this whole backlash too of. When a woman does something like this, this means that she no longer also wants to have children. She no longer wants to set up house. And so to think of how affront this was, how much of a front that these men felt, because they're projecting, not saying that they were right in their feelings. This this was their projection of a threat. That now they're back for more. They want to restart family. And there's a faction of women being like, "Mm, you know, that was. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. And these, and on top of that, these aren't like old women doing this. These are the young ones who should be starting families within the societal norms. They're like, no, I want to go out and dance to jazz. I want to go out and dance to jazz. Smoke and and drink. Smoke and drink in public. Yes, yes. Which a lot of women, a lot of laws and a lot of places women were not allowed to do. Actually, back in this time, this is when marijuana usage actually became very popular. Yep. And not with men, but with women, because women were not allowed to drink in public that by law. jazz cigarettes. And so they were smoking jazz cigarettes because right. they weren't allowed to drink. Reefer Madness. So, and which is one, of the, which is one, the main reason in campaigning why marijuana became illegal by the nineteenth, by the end of the nineteen twenties and thirties, because they were saying that women were at harm and at risk because they were going to dangerous places to get this marijuana and going to opium dens, which right. was not happening. Right. Of course, it's okay to put some cocaine in your soda. <laughs> don't smoke a marijuana cigarette. Don't smoke a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you know, and then like the flappers that didn't have the balls to actually cut their hair were wearing their hair in styles to make it look short. That's super pinned up. Exactly. You know, tucked under vibe. Exactly. And so, which I found really interesting too. So I was doing some research, obviously, for this show because we have to. Um, sometimes I fly off the cuff, but that's just because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I was like, I want I need to find like the news articles, like the newspaper magazine articles from when like the bob haircut was really popular when we were cutting the hair. And that's when I texted you. Yes, and I was like, yes. Mundy, look up this link because there's yes. a wonderful link from the Library of Congress with about 20 news articles about the bob haircut at the time. Right. Um, from 1919 until 1925. And I was like, Mundy, it's really interesting how they start off really optimistic about right. this whole independence <laughs> of young women, but then really quickly get real shady. Actually, they're <laughs> slutty murderers. They're slutty murderers. <laughs> They'll never get jobs, and they're all depressed. Right. And that's literally what happened. Like, it started off being like, you know, sensible looks for the new flapper in Britain. Um, mm-hmm. How a flapper can get married. And like, the life of a flapper and living free. To right. British flappers cannot get jobs right now. Why? Right. Find out why on right. the next nightly news. <laughs> to flappers, they're all sad and they're all insane. Right. To 14 year old flapper shoots her boyfriend at a school dance, which was crazy. Yeah. That, and her, she, I only can imagine this, like, because you know at the age of, like, and this is what I love about history because <laughs> you learn how people were back in the day and they're just like us, just different clothes. <laughs> And you can only imagine a 14-year-old girl now being just as sassy and just as shady, talking to the news, being like, well, why'd you shoot your boyfriend? She's just like, look, he did something wrong. He stepped out on me. I had to handle I it. I shot his ass. I shot his ass. Right. What you going to do about it? You going to arrest me? Right. You going to do something? I'm 14. You can't arrest me. <laughs> And I feel like that show Chicago is like totally Chicago. propaganda of this time as Chicago well. You know? is like Chicago's all murderers because there was that period in Chicago where a bunch of female, a bunch of women were just murdering men like left and right, right. And that's what Chicago is based off of. But this was really happening. And the thing is too is that again, it's so interesting because how a haircut can be so representative of something that should that was already on the verge of happening. Totally. The suffragettes set it in motion mm-hmm. with their protests. With And I say violent protests, and not in the sense that, oh, they were just these crazy women. No, they used violence because they were at that point. And personally, I'm saying this right now, Jason Barnes, Puss Noir, fully supported those women. Like, I fully supported those women and what they had to do. They had had enough. Because they had had enough for thousands of years of violent oppression by the hands of men. I'm sorry, if they had to, like, burn down some buildings and punch you dudes in the face so they can get at least one little right to vote, they had to do that. And so, by setting those things in motion, and then you had World War I that catapulted everyone into a completely different way of thinking in life and existence and identity... By the 20s of young women, especially at this period, especially this generation of young women, because this generation, I would say, if you're like 14, 15 by 1920, you know what I mean? Like, you are born at the very tail end of the Victorian period. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're seeing all so much change happening, and especially in technology, too. That's nothing. Yeah. The amount of technology, electro- technology and information that you have now have your hands on because photographs, it's, photographs. It's no like longer at, it's no longer under the thumb of your father or your husband on what you can have necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so you have these. I'm I'm not surprised that you then have this explosion of women being in, not. I wouldn't say necessarily being in being brainwashed, 
but being influenced Mm -hmm. by the freedom of jazz music, by the freedom of wearing your hair short and feeling the air on your neck for the fucking first time and, yes. not feeling, and not have to spend an hour pinning it and curling it and and not feeling the weight of your gender right. weighing you down oh my god i love that so much exactly i mean i cannot explain to you the entire like shift of energy that happened i used to have long blonde hair down to my waist just straight blonde hair that was down to my waist for mm. most of my life oh yeah yes and then i played rosencrantz and rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead uh-huh. and cut my hair off all of it And it was like a complete transformation. And I was actually really worried that my dad was going to be mad at me when I came home. And he like lit up and he was like, this is so you. He was like, this just fits your spirit more. Yeah. No, I mean, like there's something to say about, I mean, we all know this. There's something to say about hair in general for both men, women, um, people of all gender identities. There's something to say about hair. I mean, like, Absolutely. my hair is straightened. It's much longer than it's ever been in its life. I wear it to the side, you know. I, and it's so funny because, like, most African-American men do not have this kind of hairstyle. And I love this hair. And, like, everyone that's... It's fabulous. Yeah, everyone that's talking to me, stranger, just like, your hair really works for you. And, like, uh, I, my favorite is when other African-American men are just, like, how the hell did you get your hair like that? Because it's fucking amazing. Right. I'm just like, vindication. Yes. But I mean, you know, still to this day, I have had people tell me like, oh, you will be found less attractive. If you're trying to be attractive for men, you will be found less attractive because short hair is less feminine yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, and okay, that's, well, that's not my goal. So it's okay. But And the same thing is with men with long hair. It's just like people believe that men with shorter hair, it's more attractive. Right. You look more manly. And for me, like, I'm like, no, I love men with longer hair. And I encourage every man, if you can grow out your hair, just grow out your fucking hair. Totally. You know, I mean, we were Native American girl. Locks down to the floor. Yeah, well, more to grab onto. You Come know, on. hello. Um, so <laughs> One thing I love about the terms of, like, the way the bob evolved was at first they would put, like, much, like petroleum and, like, they were literally called spit curls. Yes. Because they would spit to make their hair, like, pointy, kind of like mine. Do. Uh-huh, yeah. But then they evolved into being called kiss curls, and they were representative of how many men the women had kissed. So the curls on the side of the hair. So yes. if we're looking at someone like Betty Boop, for instance. Right. She was, was a hoe. Who was, well, let's not say she was <laughs> a hoe, kidding. because she was also, she was also taken from a black burlesque dancer actually at the time <laughs> so that's like the that's still like a very uh, like underground theory with scholars on like what the origins of baby boop were and baby boop was actually not white she was actually a biracial woman totally um and that her hair was supposed to be kinky but to think about but she also like her style her look has changed up into what we have now uh-huh. so to think about her having those like ringlets yeah, around the side of her that was, yeah. so yeah like those are how many men have kissed you yes, yes. oh my god well, I, I love that kiss curls so what if you just had a head full of curls <laughs> then you're popular then you're popular you're a loose woman <laughs> <laughs> that's really yeah. no that's cool so there's also another one um, so in uh, English society um, beauty at the time Lady Diana Cooper she wore the bobbed hairstyle as a child so she she had like a very short haircut as a child, which was not uncommon for children at that time. There was a very androgynous thing happening still for kids in like wealthier families. For instance, like I mean, like we can go back to like images of like Louis the Fourteenth and his brother, and his brother looked like a goddamn girl when oh, they yeah. were the same age, and like <laughs> it was just how they dressed their kids. Um, and they think they wonder why they turned out trans. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Um, but she was wearing a bobbed hairstyle, and she actually kept it throughout her teenage years, which I can only imagine how hard it was for her to get a husband, but she probably got one. And then, and it continued into, the 19, into 1914 during the war. Um, there was another, um, another celebrity who was inspired by Lady Diana Cooper, who was a dancer. Her name was um, Irene Castle. And her style of the bob was not, was then introduced as the Castle Bob. Yes, Irene Castle was the shit. And so, like, her style, and let's just look her up really quickly, because I'm going to pull up a little image of Irene Castle. She was iconic. She was iconic. Give Truly. me some Irene Castle. Give, her, give them some Truly. Irene Castle. Irene was my grandmother's name. Really? Mm-hmm. So your grandmother's Irene Castle? <laughs> Is that what you're telling us? That would us? make me, like, 500 years old. <laughs> so you're Mundy Castle? So Irene Castle, um, her bob was, I think, probably one of my favorites. So I really like the blunt bob. Yeah, me too. Like the blunt, right at the jawline. Like right at the jawline, super blunt. With the bang. S- yeah, super, like, yes, blunt bang. But then Irene Castle wore uh, a more popularized version, which a lot of people ended up wearing a lot more. And hers was, yeah, hers was considered the most common style, the castle bob. So it was... The short hair with like the curly tendrils at the right, bottom, and right. like really like naped right at the bottom of the head, almost like mm. just above the neck. Often with a headband. With the headband, it was also. I mean, it was like a more feminine, softer look with curls. I would say the more blunt one and more severe one, obviously, is my favorite because I'm super. I'm super gay, and we love it severe. Uh, <laughs> because you're blunt and severe. Because I'm blunt and severe. So <laughs> I'm just sitting here with my leotard and my leg and my tights. Um, (laughs) but her bob was actually like the most popular Um, so I would say like by the night by 1925 funny enough the bob hairstyle was considered passe Mm, which mm -hmm. a lot of people think to themselves oh the bob was all through the 20s like it must have been like that was the only hairstyle women were wearing. Well, it's considered passe in the sense that, like, all the popular women, all of the society ladies and dames and actresses have already started wearing it. They've, it's already been part of their, their look for a couple of years now. They've already done it. Yeah, so now it's, like, filtering its way into, you know, more, more working-class society, middle-class, things like that. Right. And so you see it quite often in things like Vogue magazine and Collier's and... Like I said before, by this period, too, you also have a backlash in the Bob hairstyle and what that lifestyle represents. We were talking about that before. Um, but there is a um, uh, the only female senator at the time. I wonder if I can pull it up here. Um, actually, I can't. It won't come up here. Um, but I'm actually going to – I'll mention her name because I didn't write her name down. I do apologize. But she's actually the only female senator at the time um, – and she led a campaign against bobbed hairstyles <sighs> and flappers. Oh, my God. And she was saying that, like, flappers, she said, flappers are flapping because their mothers are flapping. What a hating ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Oh, my God. I, I can see Alexia you boiling, so too, Alexia. You just sat back <laughs> in that chair, shaking your head, waiting to say yeah. something, too. That came in perfectly. And she was a hating ass bitch. Damn. She was, and she really was though. Like her whole thing was, she was just like girls. M- girls mimic their mothers, and that's how that works. Because she's coming from that old Victorian way of thinking, where like you you do what your parents do. Mm-hmm. So girls mimic their mothers, and so if the girls are flappers, that means their mothers have been doing that shit since the day they were born. Damn. So if the mothers were staying home, then the girls would know to stay home, and they wouldn't have these problems. Oh my god. 
But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. And the funny enough, there was a lot of back, public backlash at her for saying that. And there was another article I found that said, mothers, you are not responsible for your daughters becoming flappers. And that was the headline. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which I find really, really interesting. So people, bec- even though we're having, ACM, even though we're having backlash from one side of society, we're also having a lot of support from the more evolved side of society. Right. The part that's like saying, no, we need to be going forward. Young women need to evolve and become independent. And if this is how that has to happen, let it happen. Because, yes, we're thinking, oh, well, if they're becoming independent, and the way we're probably saying it too, you're thinking, oh, these women are just going out drinking and smoking and not doing anything, not going to work, not doing anything. But no, I mean, women were really achieving a lot of great things on so many different levels, not just in the arts, but in sciences, you know, in technology, in and business, and you know? writing especially, yeah. as well as politics, even though she was fucking shady as shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we cannot talk about this era without talking about Zelda Fitzgerald. Exactly. Um, because she was kind of the ultimate... You know, she flapper. was the flapper. Yeah, she was the. I mean, she was like she was the Gibson after the Gibson girl. Right. And Zelda Fitzgerald was the ultimate flapper. You know, she came from a wealthy background, a wealthy Southern background, actually. Right. Um, and which is interesting because by this period, uh, people were accepting of Southern culture again. Mm-hmm. Um. So, which I find really interesting, and that's a whole other sheep's and wolf clothing, or we should, wolf and sheep's clothing. Zelda. Um. But Zelda. Um, was really well. Let's do Zelda next week. Yeah, let's, let's continue oh my with God, Zelda I would next love week. That. Yeah, let's continue with Zelda next week. I wanted to talk about it anyway, so let's continue with Zelda next week. I'm obsessed with her. Um, but she was really interesting because a lot of people don't realize how she inspired F. Scott Fitzgerald's writing and how much well, she he stole a lot of it and from her. How he stole a lot of it from her. A lot her. of it was just her writing. Right, right her writing. His name on. Yeah, and she illustrated and told the story of the 20s in such a way mm-hmm. that gives it such humanity. Yeah. Even with all the parties and all the celebration, um, she really told in a way that gave it such humanity. And I don't think, I mean, if we didn't have her voice, I don't think we would have known what it was like to be young and free at that time and what it was like to be young and free for the first time in American history. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. All right. Zelda next week. So we're going to end here so we can pick up with Zelda Fitzgerald next week. Class, I hope you had a wonderful time. You took notes. Do you want to end with a fun fact? Let's end with a fun, let's always end with a fun fact. Where the term flapper comes from. Yes, please, please. Because okay, so, I was trying to look that shit up. So the flapper was always in such a hurry. They were putting their galoshes on over their regular shoes and didn't even take the time to buckle the flaps of their galoshes. So as they walked, they flapped and literally made a flapping sound as they walked. And that is where they got the name Flapper. That is so not cute, but so cute. (laughs) Like, I'm too busy. I got a party to get to. I don't have time to... Kind of like my galoshes. Kind of like how Mary Kate and Ashley had their NYU like like meth days, and they were just like wearing just like saggy Rick Owens boots and t-shirts, just going from party. I mean, girl, they were flapping. (laughs) They were flapping. They were flapping, girl. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been lovely. Yes. I'm really excited about this era that we're going to talk about. Me too. So much juice in the 1920s. Yes. So, everyone, please follow us um, as much as you can on Instagram under the Beauty RKO. We're also on Facebook under the Beauty RKO. If you like the show or if you want your friends to like the show, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts and hit five stars if you like us, or if you just even remotely like us, hit five stars. Yes. And also, 
always come back to Full Service Radio. You know, be here with us every Friday at 1 p.m. But, you know, check us out on Full Service Radio on the website. There's tons of other programming and really amazing hosts that do shows here. So indulge and have a good time. Um, And, Mike, do you want to say anything? Yes, I'm excited. (laughs) That's it. That's it. I'm happy to be back here for a new season. It's going to be a really cool spring season. So we got lots of fun stuff in store for you. Lots of fun stuff. And if you want to know what we're wearing... Instagram is the perfect place to Instagram see us. Instagram is the perfect place. You'll see you'll that see O-O-T-Z. these different layers. Okay. You'll see these different layers very soon. Yes. Well, have a good night or a good day. Um, stay ballsy, stay brave. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs>